ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either. You are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. I have bad news. Let's just start it off out the gate. The merch drop that was supposed to happen on November 9th, it's not going to happen. I've got to push it back. Unfortunately, there's been a COVID outbreak at the printer. Staff is out and there's nothing I can do about it. So I'm going to push the launch date and I don't know until when. I want to make sure that I have dedicated time to ship your merch out in a healthy time frame. So you're not like looking and searching for your orders. So I'm going to push it and I'll give you an update here first when we have a new date. Thanks in advance for your understanding. I know that um, a lot of you are very excited about the merch. Like I see you in my DMs or at least when they were open, I shut down like most of my communication on social media a couple weeks ago. I have my reasons. Being very accessible as a woman online, especially one who is outspoken and opinionated, can get very nasty sometimes. So I just shut all that shit down. What else is going on? I didn't go to any of the events that I talked about on Tuesday. I was supposed to go to the screening of King Richard, the, um, the Will Smith movie, where he's portraying the father of Venus and Serena, Richard Williams. I didn't feel like it, to be quite honest with you. I RSVP'd and I was really excited to go. Cadillac got the hookup for me again, which thank you, Cadillac. The day of, like, I was like, I have so much work to do. And I worked all day and I was like, if I go sit in in a movie theater in the dark, there is no amount of popcorn or entertainment that is going to keep me awake. Like, let me just get in my actual bed and call it a night. So that's what I did. And then last night I was supposed to go to, I told you about um, the the black private social club that is based in DC, launched in Atlanta, um, also launched in DC and is now launching in LA, the gathering spot. Their publicist sent me a couple emails to go, and I had every intention of it. But then at the last minute, my friend Bevy was in town. You know Bevy, Bevy Smith. She came on the show a few months ago. She wrote her first book earlier this year, and she came on here to chat with us about said book. But she's in L.A. for work. It's ABFF, and she's doing some work with HBO. And it's also her 55th birthday. So she had an impromptu gathering on a very sexy rooftop in Hollywood, and many of my New York faves were there. Legendary Damon was there. Ty Bouchamp was there. Uh, D-Nice was there. And a lot of other familiar faces. Bevy knows a little bit of everybody. So I went to hang out with Bevy on that very sexy rooftop. And Ty, I love Ty. I told Ty, I ran into Ty a bunch of times. Um, We were out for Ebony Power 100 weekend. And she asked me, she was like, well, how are you loving LA? Like, do you love it? And I was like, mm. I was like, it's okay. I just, it just never rises to a 10 in the way that, you know, any other city I travel to, like it, it hits a 10, Atlanta, Miami, Las Vegas. Like I have all these 10 experiences and I was like, I never hit a 10 in LA. And you know, it just is what it is. Like, but, but I did let my like lease expire. So I'm month to month. So, you know, at any given time, if I want to be like, fuck this shit. I could be out. I've been playing around with this grand plan, the one I call the excursion. I've wanted to live in Africa for a long time. It's been on my bucket list to live in Africa. When it first started, I wanted to do South Africa, Johannesburg specifically. And then when I started going to Ghana on a regular basis, I wanted to do Accra. So I was like, you know what? Maybe I could just do both. It's an easy and legal 
way to get around the visa situation. So I was like, I wanted to stay for a year, but I don't think work-wise it will work, but I'm, I'm plotting on how to make this happen in 2022. So if I leave LA, <laughs> that's where I'm going. And then after that, who knows? LA is actually starting to work out for me though. Like the world is starting to open up again. I mean, you gotta have your vaccination card, but it's open if you're vaccinated with proper ID. But I'm starting to like go back out again. I think I talked to y'all a couple weeks ago about how like I'm like an introverted extrovert. Like I can go out and be like very, very social. But then I'm down for like three or four days. After the Ebony 100 weekend where I was like out and out and out and out and out, I didn't leave the house for like four days. Like literally did not leave the house. <laughs> I didn't go to the mail room. I didn't go to my car. I did not open my door and cross my threshold for four days, which is normal for me because I'd be in writing mode and just be in here at my laptop, just, you know, hours on end. But my friend hit me up and he was like, no, I can't remember the word he used. There's a word for people who are both introverted and extroverted. And he was like, you're that. And then I was thinking about it and I was like, maybe one of the reasons that I haven't been like fully enjoying LA is because like I haven't been going out enough. Like I've just been in full introvert mode and I haven't been getting my balance, but it was COVID and there weren't a lot of live events and people just weren't out. Cause you know, nobody was trying to get sick or die. But now that things are opening back up and I'm like being very social again, I was like, Oh, this is not so bad. Like I can go out like two to three times a week. And then like the other days, like sit in my apartment in silence with my phone off. Like that's fine. That totally works for me. We'll see. I actually like the idea of not being totally tied to any particular city or location. Did you watch Drink Champs? Kanye did this two and a half hour interview on Noriega's podcast. It was both brilliant and bizarre because Kanye is consistently Kanye. We'll get into that in a second. But in this interview, Kanye talks about how he doesn't have a brick and mortar home. He was like, home to me is being on FaceTime when Nori calls him. Who, by the way, he named Nori, like North, who they called Nori, named her after Noriega. Like this came out on the show. And I was like, you named your daughter after Noriega? Okay. Clearly they have a very deep and close and personal friendship that I wasn't aware of. But Kanye says that like his home is wherever he is when Nori FaceTimes him. That's home. And he said his house is a collection of bags. Only one though. He has various ones that he takes about. His bag and whatever is in it is his house. So he says he knows enough people and he has enough money that he can pop up wherever he feels like being and he's always got a place to stay. So he was like, he goes down to Atlanta and what is Akon's brother's name? I can't remember. Um, but he's in Atlanta. And Kanye was like, yeah, like I hit him up and was like, yeah, I'm in Atlanta. And he was like, oh, well, you know, you could just stay in my place. And he was like, all right. So he went and stayed there. And then he said he went to Paris and he went to um, the Ritz, not the Ritz Carlton. There's like a super fancy, like, like luxurious Ritz. But he said he went there and he was like, he had his mask on and he showed up and they were like, I'm sorry, we don't have any rooms. And he said he pulled this like mask down so they could see like, you know, it's me, Kanye West. And they were like, oh, okay, well, let's get you a room then. And he was like, then that's what I did. And he was like, and I showed up and I didn't have, you know, underwear or he was like, I didn't have underwear or socks, you know? So he was like, you know, the CEO of Balenciaga, you know, came with a car the next morning and was like, all right, well, you know, let's go get you some, some socks and drawers. 
So they went to like Balenciaga headquarters and he had Balenciaga socks and Balenciaga draws. And I was like, Kanye be saying some crazy shit sometimes, but I was like, yo, that sounds like the life. I would love, I would love to just like live out of like, I don't know, a Louis Vuitton 35 Speedy, like the big bag, like the big one. Not like the carry-all. I don't like things on my shoulder, but if you just get me like a 35 Speedy and I could just bounce around wherever and live out of that bag, it would be great. I don't have Kanye's billions though. Because billions give you way more options than, I mean, you know, like thousand dares. So I was like, I need to get my money up. Damn it. In good black news this week, I've been talking to y'all forever about this Tabitha interview. I was like waiting for it to drop. But I interviewed Tabitha for Essence. I don't think I said before where it was. But a couple people were like, I knew it was Essence by the description you gave. And I was like, okay, that's fine. But I'm really excited about this interview. Tabitha Brown is one of my favorite people. She was actually very heavy on my mind when I got the call asking me if I wanted to do the interview. Right now, like I write books, I write treatments, I write not so much pilots because we talked about that. How I was like, no, well, you're like in producer level. You don't really need to do that anymore, which I was like, um, that was the whole point of moving to LA. Not the point. Point is, I really don't like write, write for like magazines or publications anymore. It's a very time consuming thing. And it's just not like lucrative to be quite honest but when it's something that I'm really passionate about I do make the time so when Charlie she's a senior editor at Essence when she hit me up she said hey we're doing this feature on Tabitha Brown and she was trying to like explain Tabitha and I was like no 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 I am well aware I follow the Tabitha actually I was standing at O'Hare airport waiting for my Uber to come and I was scrolling Instagram and Tabitha had posted a picture of herself and her daughter they were on a private plane and she wasn't sharing where she was going or what they were doing. She just said that they had, um, they were they were headed to work somewhere, and she felt very honored that she got to work with her daughter. And she shared that before she became like the Tabitha that we know her to be, she used to drive Uber. And she was like, I would, you know, drive people to drop them off to take their private jets to wherever. She was like, and I very much wanted that life for myself. And she was like, and now I have it. And I was like, black lady. Get your money, black lady. Get your money, black lady. And I was like really, really proud and happy for her. And literally, as I'm reading this caption on her page, I get this call from Charlie. And she said, we're doing this article. You know, would you want to write it? And I was like, ooh, I would love to, but I don't know if I can because I just landed in Chicago and I'm like, I'm here and then I'm going to Vegas and then I'm going to Napa and then back to LA. And I don't know where I'm going from there. And I was like, when would you need it? And so she gave me the dates and I was like, actually, that could work. So I'm really glad we were able to work that out. Tabitha is a wonderful, wonderful human. And I was like, I know like as a writer, a journalist, especially, I guess I'm supposed to be objective of the people I interview. And I'm just like, no, if I didn't really love Tabitha, I wouldn't have made the effort. But I wanted to meet her. I wanted a private audience with her. And I wanted to ask her all of the questions that I know that her vast, vast viewership, readership, audience, social, TV, um, all of her platforms, readers. I know they had questions for her that they wanted answered. But I was like, I just have a few of my own, too. Because I was like, hey, black lady, I'm a black lady, too. And like, I got an afro, too. And we're the same age. And like, I want to know how to have like a private jet life. Like, I've had a lot of amazing experiences in my life. I've never flown on a private jet. And I was like, I would like that, too occur for my life and I'm like how do we do that I was like can we discuss how to negotiate like a good brand deal 
not gonna get a plane. But you, but if you think I didn't sit and tap at this big beautiful house, in her big beautiful office with her NAACP award, and her new book at the time it wasn't out yet, and her spices that sold out in thirty nine minutes, she had like an extra stash, and I was like, well, you know, sis, I absolutely g'd her for spices and hair products in the middle of an interview. Ain't got no shame. I was like, they sold out everywhere else. The only place I'm gonna get them is from you. Like, so sis. But I was like, we absolutely did have a conversation about black women in business and how to get your money. We did. Graciously. She is a very wonderful woman. I saw someone um, when I was writing about interviewing her. I wrote this really like, I personally, I'm biased, but I thought it was really wonderful. But I wrote it in Instagram and the app crashed. And I was like, I ain't be writing this shit. And I was like, I just want y'all to know Tabitha is absolutely wonderful. And she gives really good hugs. And I thank my editor for, you know, assigning me the piece and giving me space to tell the story in its fullness that I wanted to tell because I turned it in over word count and they found an extra page to make sure that all my words got in. And then also um, to letting me tell the story in my like quirky little way. Like I know my writing style is like very, very different from a lot of what's widely read out there, but it's my voice. And I greatly appreciate my editor for not like toning me down into quote and unquote magazine voice because it's a very distinct voice. But it took me a very long time to like get out of that voice and write in my own voice. But I think I said something like, you know, like everybody loves Tabitha. And a couple of responses were like, yo, just for the record, everybody does not love Tabitha. And this woman was like, yo, like seeing this black woman who's just like always happy and always like, you know, gracious and always talking about God and has like, you know, these amazing kids and this amazing husband and this whole glow up story. And she was like, that wasn't inspirational to me. And she was like, she's fake. She's phony. She's a fraud. She's, you know, she was just, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I was like, really? That's what you saw when you see her? And with a journalist, I guess, skepticism, I did keep that in mind when I, when I went to her. Cause I was like, this woman really is always happy. And like, I don't know, like I can fathom black women being happy. I can fathom black women, like having it all. What I had difficulty fathoming was how she ain't cursed Wendy Williams purely the fuck out. I can be gracious. I can be calm. I can be grace under fire. I can shut the fuck up because it's free. But there's certain buttons you push. I'm going to go full Samuel L. Jackson on you and not feel bad about it. Like, when people deserve to be cursed out and I do so, I feel wonderful afterward. I could drink a V8 and take a nap. Like, I feel great. Mofo deserved it. You wanted it, you got it. And I was like, yo, like, you gave Wendy so much grace. Like, was this like, was this like a marketing tool? Where did you gather all of that from? I really, in my heart of hearts, really honestly, I expected her to be like, yes, it was a marketing tool. Like, I can't be out here presenting myself as, you know, this sort of enlightened woman and then, like, you know, flip out on this lady. And she was like, Demetria, she gave me a couple answers, but she was like, Demetria, honestly, and she was like, if you've been through what I've been through, and she was like, I've been through, like, life and death. Like, I've, I've seen people die. You can't just blow up off of everything. And I was like, well, shit, like, yeah, I know. I'm going to still blow up off a lot of shit, but I understand where you're coming from, though, sis. I understand. I said this about Mashonda last week, and I, I mean it in the same way when I say it about Tabitha. You a better woman than me, sis. Not like you better than me, like you tripping. Like, no, like you're, you're a better woman than me. You are further along in your, in your growth and evolutionary process than I am, and I respect it. I may not aspire to it currently because I actually like cursing people out sometimes. It feels good. It feels like a little fire inside. And maybe that's dysfunction. I'm okay with that. 
at some point, not no time soon, I would like to reach your level of grace. Me, like cursing people out, it's a defense mechanism. I'm not ready to remove that from my toolkit just yet. In my experience, when people do know, in fact, that you will curse them the fuck out, they tend to act better. My experience. But I'm very grateful to Tabitha for her time and for Essence to, um, for assigning me that story. Um, it feels really, like, weird and good to be able to, like, I don't know. Like, my, like I talk about other people's big stories. Like, last week, it was the Deans and Architectural Digest and then, you know, other people who are on covers. And then we talk about, we, like, dissect magazine articles. It feels really very, like, meta to be talking about, like, my own feature about a person that I would be covering. Like if somebody else had written this story on Tabitha, I would be covering it because like I'm low key obsessed with Tabitha in a healthy way. Like in the same way I'm obsessed with Will Packer, where I just sort of like randomly think about them and be like, I wonder if I could insert them into like this project just cause I want to work with them. The world is very weird right now. I'm having very weird self-perception issues. <sighs> what else? Oh, the Sierra prayer. Sierra has released her prayer. It's all over social media. Tons of you, thank you, who are still able to send me messages, have been sending me, DMing me the Sierra prayer. Thank you. I have it. Y'all don't need to send that no more. Like I have 50 of like the same post of the Sierra prayer. Y'all make sure I saw this prayer. It's a beautiful prayer. It's a beautiful prayer. For those of you who are not like super tapped into pop culture, the idea is that there's been this Sierra prayer that she prayed in order to get a man like Russell Wilson because her husband is seen by many, not all, as the ideal husband and father. Like that man deeply loves his wife. He is publicly appreciative. He's, you know, an attractive man. He makes good money. He has a nice body. They seem to have a great sex life. They go to like really fancy events. They seem, and no one has a perfect relationship, but they seem to be very close to what perfection looks like. And so people are like, sis, what prayer did you pray? And people have been asking Sierra for this forever. But Sierra has finally released the prayer. What I liked most about it is that the prayer is mostly about her gratefulness to God, even in the midst of her pain at the time. She had just come out of a relationship. I'm going to go out on a limb and assume was toxic because the man she was in it with is like walking radioactive waste. And then it's also mostly about her. There's a few lines in the middle section. They're about the type of man that she wants next in her life. She says, the next person that you send me, like, I would like that to be my husband. I want someone that protects me and holds me and like basically loves me. And then it goes back to talking about like her plans for her life and her child. But I love that this prayer is not solely about, dear God, send me a man, send me a man, send me a man. It's like, no, like I've had this very hard time in life and please help me pull it back together. Help me be whole again. Take care of me and take care of my son. That was the first part. That's paramount. And she was like, and after that, if you could send me a man, once I'm back whole, send me a man who treats me well, not just any man. Here's some of the things that I would like, dear God. And then she goes back to talking about herself. So the majority of her focus is on her well-being, the well-being of her child. And then once they straight, the man. I liked her prayer very much. I'm not reading the Sierra prayer. Literally, it's everywhere on social media. You've probably seen it by now. And if you've not, just Google. It'll come up. DM me if you can get through. I'll send it to you because Lord knows enough people done sent it to me. What else is on this list? 
There's Sherry Shepard on Win- on Wendy. Uh, my friend John, John Murray. I always say John Murray like I don't know who John is. John has been on this show as a guest more than anybody else. I think John has been on, what, three times? John is actually producing Sherry on the show this week. He's such a talented man. He can do so many things. Um, but he and Sherry are really good friends, and she asked him to produce her. Because Lord knows, like, if you ever need a one-liner in life, John got you. Sherry has been killing it on Wendy this week. She's been hosting all week. And I saw that she did a clip about Cynthia from Real Housewives and her new husband, Mike Hill. There were rumors that Mike had been cheating on Cynthia. They ain't been married. Has it been two years? I just saw the segment that Sherry did and she handled it very well. And I actually appreciate the way that she handled it better than the way that Wendy would have handled it. One of my good friends pointed out and they were like, yo, Sherry's been on, on Wendy wearing Wendy dresses and wearing Wendy heels, sitting in Wendy's chair being way more likable than Wendy. And she was like, just in case anybody out there thinks that they're not replaceable, they are. It's the Wendy Williams show. Sherry is hosting it, doing a better version of Wendy on Wendy. I'm just saying. But Sherry's take on the whole thing. And she was like, I don't like to hear this mess about married people. And she was like, you know, my marriage didn't work out. But she was like, I respect marriage. She was like, I don't want to be involved in any kind of mess that would disrupt the marriage. And so she was like, I hope these rumors aren't true. Cynthia said that she left the show because she wanted to protect her marriage. It's very, very hard, like, to be on TV and be married. Like, the things people say and do are crazy. I'll tell you about some of that stuff someday. Like, just, what? I still had Ask FM at the time. Like, that's part of the reason I had to quit it. Like, people would say the most vile shit to me either about my lack of worth as a, a all-around human. Apparently, like, I was too ugly to be married. Apparently, I was, like, too ugly and too fat to be married, and my husband was, like, way more attractive than me, and so, like, he only liked me for my money. That was a narrative that people kept, like, pushing to me. I mean, it's crazy. But if you hear that, like, enough times, and, like, when I say enough, I mean, like, thousands, you start to wonder, you know? Even the strongest person, you could be like, no, you have to be like resolute and strong in your, yeah, 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 yeah. Be on TV and tell me that shit. But she was like, I didn't want to do the show anymore. Like, so, cause I wanted to protect my marriage and I wanted this to, to work. So hearing rumors that, and she was like, I don't believe it's true. And like, we're good. Okay. But I do recall before they got married and I wrote a little something about this on social media. He told her that he cheated did he have one or two previous wives? But I want to say he said that he cheated in every relationship that he'd been in prior to her. And so she was nervous about like, you know, would he also cheat on her? And I was like, you know, it's possible that he could. Anything's possible. You could also be married to somebody who's never cheated before and they'll cheat on you for whatever reason that they do. Like, it's really a crapshoot. But I was like, if you have doubts about like, you know, his ability to be faithful and he's telling you that, okay, like, I'm not going to do that to you. Like, okay, what changed? Like, what self-work have you done? Like, you told me that you're a different person. Okay, what did you do to be different? Did, did you go to therapy? Do, are you meditating? Are you praying? Do you have a relationship with God? Like, did you change your friend circle? What did you change? Like, what happened? Did you have a Paul Saul road to Damascus conversion? Like, what? Tell me. You told me you changed. Well, t- tell me how you changed and what happened. Like, what, when did the change occur? What did you do to make yourself change? Because you don't just, like, flip a switch. And I was like, if he can't give you those answers, don't marry him. She never responded, but I'm for sure she saw it because every single person I've ever written about sees it. They might not tell me at the time, but it comes up years later. But I was just like on some real, like you put it out there on the show. And so I'm responding to it as somebody who talks about dating and relationships. I hope he's different. Cynthia seems like a really nice woman. 
Mike Hill and I have a trainer in common. And just as somebody who's like, you know, been through one divorce that Cynthia has as well, I wouldn't wish that shit on nobody. This second husband got to act right. So hopefully this is just rumors and somebody being messy and everybody in that marriage is behaving as they should. I hope that that is the case. Do you mind if we save a full conversation about Kanye for next week? I just, Kanye is exhausting and I don't feel like talking about Kanye. And then I also have Will Smith on this list. Uh, actually, you know what? I'll save it because I might watch his Oprah interview over the weekend and that'll give me more insight. But just overall, Will Smith in this book and all this tea that he's decided to spill, I'm like, can you, can you stop? Like he's written this gigantic memoir. I was watching something on Instagram and Will Smith held up his book and I was like, yo, this mofo done wrote War and Peace. How much do you have to say, sir? I was looking at other memoirs on my bookshelf and I was like, the autobiography of Malcolm X is shorter than Will's book. I mean, Malcolm did not live till 50, but I'm like, Will's book is up there in size with like the first black president and the first black first lady. It's a lot. Like Will has had a lot of words. And he's also just from what he's been talking about, spilling like a lot of tea. And I was like, Will, it's someone who is transparent to a degree. I told you my rule is I tell you what I'm comfortable with you knowing and with what you walking up to me in Walmart and asking me about, which absolutely 100% totally happens. People love to come up to me in line. But I put it out there, so it's fair game, I suppose. And I, and usually like when people want to be like, I need to tell my truth and I'll just be like, yes, share, share, get it off your chest. Yes, yes. And women and men. So this isn't just like a man thing. I don't mind men being vulnerable, but there's something irking me about the way that Will Smith is, is doing this and the stuff that he's sharing. I fell in love with my co-star during my first marriage to my newlywed wife with our brand new baby. And I was with them and desiring my co-star. Which, I mean, I guess happens. It did happen. Not I guess. It did happen. Like, that's his story to tell. But I'm just like, Will, like, you ain't really have to tell us all this shit just to sell a book. Like, you could have just, you know, put a book together and had a bunch of blank pages. We was going to buy it because it's you. But you just telling us all this tea that makes us look at you very different. And I was trying to figure out, and I'm still working on this. And I was like, why am I responding this way to Will Smith? Again, usually I don't care if people want to like, you know, tell their truth and spill their tea. Like I'm very much like, what's yours to tell? So, you know, if you want to get it off your chest, like go forth. One of my friends was like, um, she's like, cause I think it feels disingenuous. We were talking about this on Facebook. And so she was like, it feels very much like I'm trying to sell you a book as opposed to I'm trying to give you this knowledge so you don't make the same mistakes that I have or I've gone through some revolutionary um, you know, transformation in my life. And now I just want to like share, 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 or you're just a person who always shares. So like we're used to your sharing or this is what somebody else said. We were discussing it on Facebook. They were like, the man has spent like the better part of 30 years presenting himself in this one very carefully crafted way to lead us to believe that he is this person. And then the whole time he's not. And she was like, and that's what feels disingenuous. It's like, I feel like you've been lying to us the whole time. And she was like, well, now you're saying that, like, I made you believe this. And she was like, and obviously he's a damn good actor. Like, okay, but I've made you believe this for 30 years. And now I want to tear down this thing that I spent 30 years building. And now I want you to believe the new version of the story. And she was like, I really don't know which one to believe because you really don't seem credible at this point. And I was like, is that what it is? 
I kind of was like, it kind of seems sometimes that he and his wife are doing these passive aggressive jabs at each other in the media. And I was like, if y'all don't go sit down with a goddamn therapist and work this out behind closed doors, we don't need to see this shit. I don't know. It doesn't feel like radical honesty. I will say this. I remember when Will Smith, I want to say when he was turning 50, he decided to like jump out of a plane. I want to say it was like there was a YouTube connection with it. And I remember this guy, my DC crush, actually, he said at the time and he was like, God, I would hate to be Will Smith. And I was like, why? I was like, Will Smith is so wonderful. And he was like, no, his like desperation for attention. Like you don't have a big movie coming out. So you just decide to like jump out a plane and film it and make it into like some worldwide event because you constantly need people to look at you. And I was like, that's such a crazy take on Will Smith. And I was like, I think he's just on some like, I'm 50 and I'm just on some like radical do whatever. And he was like, no, it's blatantly attention seeking. Like it's kind of disgusting and sad that like a grown ass man is so desperate for attention in that way. And I was like, oh, I don't read it that way. And now like years later, I'm like, yeah, maybe that's what it is. I did see that Oprah said this is one of the best memoirs that she's ever read. And I realized that also that what I'm reading about Will is, is snippets in the press that, you know, are not in their complete context within the story. So I do want to see what he has to say on Oprah. And I do want to read the book, which comes out later this month. So I'm going to watch this interview with Oprah and see, like, how he moves there. And then I'll make my determination about whether I'm going to invest my time into, like, reading his book based on that interview. So we'll see. But we'll save a deeper Will discussion. Oh, the other thing we were supposed to talk about, The Harder They Fall on Netflix, this Western with, like, everybody. The main people being Delroy Lindo, Idris Elba, Regina King. Those are the biggest three. Um, But Netflix put a whole lot of money into this film, then a whole lot of money into the promotion of the film. I saw the pictures and video. Um, My friend Gabe had them on his page from the big launch party celebration in New York. Like they spent hella money on that party, hella money. It was really, really cute, but it's a really good film. I watched it like the day it came out on Netflix. Like it's, it's amazing. It's like black people, Western. I don't know if it's based on real characters, but I know there's a couple characters like stagecoach, Mary Bass Reeves. There are people in the film who are real historical people. I don't know if they're, the way they're featured in the film is based on any sort of true story other than just like using their names. But it's a really good film. It's very well written and it has amazing one-liners. If you like black people, I wouldn't say if you like Westerns because I don't think I'm a fan of Westerns, but I'm definitely a fan of black people. It's a good story well told. Idris Elba is not giving the full Idris. He needs hair. Bald Idris Elba doesn't do it for me in the same way. But I say that in the sense that like Idris is usually at a 10 for me and it goes down to about like an eight, nine, but an eight, nine is still better than like, I don't know, 90% of the population. And he is still Idris the Elba. Jonathan Majors is in it. Tick from um, Lovecraft Country. He's in it. He gets upper naked sometimes. He took his shirt off and I was like, good Lord. This is some of your finest work, Lords, chiseling this man. He does it for me. He's not my typical type, but he like does it for me on some sort of like visceral level. I don't know what that's about, but he has a job in this storyline, which I appreciate. I mean, he might be an outlaw, but he got money. Unlike, you know, his role on Lovecraft country. We had a whole conversation (laughs) when Lovecraft was on. We were like, yo, is Tick a good man or does Tick just have a good body? That was one of my feistiest comment sections ever. 
People like battled it out to the death. I'm like, wait, y'all know this is not a real person, right? Mm. So yeah, so if you have not watched The Harder They Fall, basically go drop what you're doing and go watch it. It's a really good film. It has very like Tarantino-ish elements to it. It reminded me of a bit of Inglorious Bastards mixed with Django. Django was Tarantino, right? It's kind of like a mix. It's kind of like a mix between the two. We'll put some black on it. You know, like Salt Bay, he just do a little sprinkle, like some pepper, just a little pepper. That's like, that's, that's what they did here. Um, and it gives it a whole different flavorful situation. So it's really good. If you haven't watched it, definitely go watch it. So that's that. So just as a reminder, the merch is not dropping on Tuesday. As I had hoped, we're going to push it back, unfortunately. Hopefully everybody at the print shop will be good and well in due time and back to work. The orders can continue. So my bad about that. Just It is what it is. It's the world we live in right now. All right. That's everything. We'll talk again on Tuesday. Okay. Bye. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.